I've found out over the years in 35 years of ministry that the Amplified Bible, in my opinion, now there's newer translations coming out now, but I, I have found that for the most part in the New Testament now, I'm talking New Testament, the Old Testament, I, I couldn't say it as assertively, but the New Testament, the Amplified Bible is usually just right dead on it with what the, Amp, the Greek New Testament really says. And so for that reason, it's always been my premium source outside of the King James Bible and so forth and so on. But, you know, if you're a good student, you look at other translations. And, hallelujah. You know, some lady said, well, I'm not going to use any other Bible but the King James just like Paul used. Well, she's a little out of century walk there. King James Bible didn't come along until about 1600, and he was already long gone. But anyway, people got funny ideas. Bless their heart. But we're looking at this verse, the latter part of it particularly, because it says something we need to get a hold of. And the latter part of verse five, uh, verse 2 of Romans 5 in the Amplified says, Let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. You know, we could say it this way, you know, if it says our hope of that, then that means that's something laid out for us that we could get a hold of. You know, if we had hope in something, then you could put your faith on it and bring it into manifestation. So this is telling me and you that we ought to be, listen carefully here, experiencing, experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Many years ago, I studied out the glory of God all through the Bible, old and new. Did teach it on it almost a year. I was I traveled full time back in the eighties, and Brother Dale was with me. I taught on it for a whole year, almost everywhere I went. So I've done extensive study on that. We could we could translate it this way: experiencing and enjoying the presence of God. Because the glory, when the glory comes, it's His presence. Hallelujah! The glory is in us. That's one thing. It's already in there, but we need to experience it, and we need to enjoy it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's exciting that we can... See, we need to teach, but it's got to be deeper than just teaching the Bible. I, I'm not making a slur about going to seminary, but I'll tell you what, you know, they're just teaching academics, and that was the main thrust. No move of God, no, 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 no big emphasis on the Holy Ghost. And if there was, it was not accurately divided word that we were being taught. But we didn't, when, when, like I said, when anything come up about the baptism in the Holy Ghost or the infilling of the Holy Ghost or being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, which is what I'm talking to you about, then people didn't understand that. And, and, and so they, what you don't understand, people are afraid of. And so, you know, you had a bunch of professors that are very academic but not very spiritual in some ways. Because, you know, I mean, I began to get a hold of this while I was a seminary student and began to see that, man, there's something more to this than what I've currently understood. And I was hungry. Now, see, you know, you're not going to get much from God if you're not hungry. You just don't ever get very far in it. You could hear other people talk about it. You could see other people maybe even to a level experience more. But you'll never get much if you're not hungry for much. And I was one of those kind of students that I was hungry for God, not just to run off in some tangent. I was a very studious person, still am. But I realized sometime back in there that, uh, you know, some of the things that I was being taught or not taught 
were scripturally correct, and they just didn't know anything about it. You know, so, you know, I'm just sharing with you what some things that I know and I have found out in the Bible other than my new birth experience. Now, I was a drug addict, a drug dealer, and, I mean, I was a wild person, and I got saved at East Dayton Baptist Church in December 1971, and I've never, ever, ever, ever been the same. I had some derailments here and there, speed bumps we might call it, you know, the devil trying to knock me out and with sickness and disease and temptation and other things, you know, just like you. <laughs> I won't tell you about my laundry. You don't tell me about yours. But you don't have to, you don't have to succumb to that. That's what I, I made it. I'm still here. Hallelujah. And I realized, you know, that, praise God, I got saved. Well, then once I got saved and God changed my want-tos, you know, and then I began to get in the Word, you know, it was gradual, but I began to get in it immediately to some level. Of course, I went to a church that didn't teach what, what's in the Bible fully. They just basically said, well, you get saved. And you just This was the attitude they took. You just do the best you can while we're down here. Are you making fun? Yeah, I'm making fun because that diminishes what Jesus did on the cross. And then we would sing, you know, When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. What did we just read? We ought to be enjoying and rejoicing in His presence right now. Hey, get a clue, folks. It's in the Bible. You know, and, and I mean, I'm not making fun of heaven, but listen, God didn't come to get you to go to heaven. He came to put heaven in you right here. Do you get to go there? That is our final destination. You know, I mean, not final, but you get there and then eventually be a new heaven and a new earth. And I, I don't teach a lot on end times because I don't know a lot about it. I teach what I know about. I just know it ain't going to do you any good for me to tell you how it's all going to pan out and who's got what those horns mean in Revelation and some kind of seven-headed creature or something else that don't, and you living in total defeat right now. What difference does it make about that if you can't have victory right here and now? Man, I'm preaching better. I'm preaching myself into something. And I told God one day, if you can't put me over right here, just forget it. I don't want to go to heaven. Why would I want that? I want something's going to work right now. He said, hey, faith is now, Brother Michael. Hey, come on. Faith is right now. Well, we all get to heaven. Well, it will be a day of rejoicing, but it could be a day of rejoicing right here and now in the old lousy earth. Old stinky, foul earth we're living in with goofy thinking and strange people and strange mentalities about what's going to put us over. Go green. How about go Holy Ghost? Now, I'm not against taking care of conservation when it's appropriate, but you've got to get a clue from your Bible that God made the whole thing for us. If people are severely abusing things, they need to be quarantined and punished and stuff. I understand all that. I'm not stupid. But my God, just going green ain't going to put you over. And if you don't learn how to talk right, believe right, and think right, you can eat all the broccoli, eat all the supplements, drink minerals, and you're still going to die young. Man, get a clue. Get a clue for God's sake. Get a clue for your sake, really. Let me correct myself. So here it tells me I'm supposed to be experiencing and enjoying His presence. 
Now, I already told on myself I'm going to talk just a minute about it, and i got to move on here and get into some things. But, you know, I was a little intimidated by this baptism in the Holy Ghost because I was out of a Baptist background. And their attitude was, this is what they said. Now, I'm not being mean on the Baptist. God bless the Baptist. I got saved under their ministry. They played a pivotal part in getting this old drug addict boy converted. I thank God, man. They, I tell you one thing they got down, you don't got down, is witnessing. I mean, I, I didn't have, you know, if I just showed up close to the Baptist church, somebody would run out and tell me about Jesus. And I was a drug addict. I looked like a drug addict, smelled like a drug addict, addict would just soon punch you in the face to look at you. I mean, you didn't want to fool with me unless you had some faith. So, I mean, I thank God for their boldness. The guy up the street from my parents, he wasn't afraid of me one lick. And he was bold to me. He said, what you need is Jesus. I said, oh, get out of here. You nut? What are you, a nut? I went to church all my life. You know, I went to church from 5 to 15. See, see, see you know, now you might think, well, I was a smart guy, and I was. But see, I'm just telling you how I was. I was a heathen, and I was the chief of heathens, like Paul said. So I identify with him, you know. But he kept witnessing to me, and ended up I got in his meeting. It was a youth meeting, and he was speaking, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that ironic? See, but they were so bold. So I'm not criticizing them. They had a link in putting me further, but that's, they couldn't take me where they didn't go. <laughs> I watched a two-hour special yesterday. I've got to be careful. I don't want to get off on that. I'll take my whole sermon about Beyond the Moon. Anybody see that? It was on A&E or one of those channels, Beyond the Moon, and it, it showed all those transitions they went through. Even people gave their lives to help us adventure and find outer space and the Hubble telescope and how it got all messed up. It was a billion-dollar project, and they were going to shut NASA down, and they sent up scientists and, and astronauts, and they fixed it and stuff like that. And one guy fixed a door on that Hubble telescope with a tree trimmer thing. I thought it sounds to me like the modern church. We, we think that a new PowerPoint's going to put us over. We just need a good tree trimmer like me to cut that old stuff off of you. And, and the Holy Ghost moving in our midst and power of God operating in us. Man, and I mean, that, that whole, I mean, it's two hours. I mean, it could have been longer. I shut it down after two hours, but it was preaching to me the whole time how they went through transitions, and, 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 and they had a spirit of adventure about them, and a spirit, of, and, and sometimes their families never saw those guys. They lived and breathed and ate the space exploration. That's how they lived and thought. I thought, my God, the body of Christ needs to catch on to that. Not that you can't be good to your family and all that. I'm not preaching you know, that mentality, but I'm saying they were committed to it, and even some men and women gave their lives. Hallelujah. So a lot of things can be in place, but it just takes something out of place that messes up stuff. And this, see, what I'm saying is I had a little apprehension about this baptism thing because I was never taught correctly about it. So when you're not taught correctly, you're taught doctrinal error, then you're a little apprehensive about it. But I went, I went to meet a pastor in Louisville with three other young ministers like myself. We were still in seminary getting ready to graduate, and this was in May. And we were going to graduate the end of May of 78. And uh, we went to sit in his office and talk to him. And, and one of these preachers, I hate to say he was a friend of mine, he was such a smart aleck that day, I was embarrassed. Because he challenged this pastor, 
And one of the other guys had just asked this pastor, how do you run your church and why is your church growing? He said, well, I just teach them to be full of God and go out and let the fullness get off on other people. And then somebody else asked the question. He said, well, it has to do with being full of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. That's part of it and preaching the word to my people. And one, one this young other pastor, uh, young minister spoke up and said, well, I want you, and he got real testy with him. I want you to know, I, in kind of a combative spirit, I want you to know I got all the Holy Ghost that I, I got all the Holy Ghost when I got saved. I just want you, like that, with his eyebrows down like I'm doing. And the pastor very eloquently said, well, if you got him all, where is he? Because you're acting like a, you know, B-U-T-T. He didn't spell that out or say that, but it, that's what was... I was embarrassed for myself. This guy attacked the pastor. And the pastor was very gracious, and uh, the Gedneys knew him well. Uh, pastor Roy, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, what was his last? Roy Lambert, yeah. And, and he said to all of us, well, gentlemen, I'm not here to argue with you, because this guy put him, you know, kind of... He wasn't arguing, but he, he, he knew this guy wanted to argue. So he said, I'm not here to argue with you guys. You asked to meet with me. I'm trying to tell you what you answer your question. And I understood that, and he was very sweet. And he said, I tell you, if you're very interested in what I'm talking about, you need to get Dennis and Rita Bennett's book, The Holy Spirit and You. And, and they're Episcopalians. Oh, my God, what have I done? And, you know, I'm thinking... You know, Baptists, I mean, they thought back in those days, Brother Paul, the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Episcopalians, it's all high church robes and censers and candles, you know. Now, I'm not making fun. But, you know, I mean, that's the way I was coming from. You act just like that. Some of you act like that first time you came to this church. Wonder what pastor's going to do, pull a snake out from back here? <laughs> you heard something terrible about me and thought that I was some nut? If you sit long enough, you find out I'm more intelligent than you originally thought. Been accused of a lot of things these years. I just don't let people knock me out. The only one that could knock me out is me, and I'm not about to give in. The devil don't have that capacity if you don't give him any. So let people go on with whatever they want to think and do. You just stay with the Bible. So here I am, you know, and I'm thinking, well, this was a Friday afternoon. I'm kind of telling this again because it's important that you understand where I'm coming from. I didn't understand this. I wasn't sure I wanted it. But see, up till that time in May, that last quarter in seminary, I'd already taken, uh, t- uh, taken, uh, taken Greek, Greek New Testament studies from this professor. So I had a Greek New Testament. I knew how to look up stuff. And, you know, even though I was an ex-drug addict... God healed my mind and gave me ability to think clearly and study and all that. And so I took this, it was a, I had an elective class, not the Greek was mandatory, but the elective class was the book of Acts. And so I took it, and the same professor that taught Greek was the guy that taught that. And he's in his 80s, young 80s. I'm in my late 20s. I'm 28, he's 80-something. Well, I'm not going to challenge him in class. I didn't go to school to challenge my professors. I went to learn something. But he's teaching the book of Acts, and he's taking all the supernatural out of it. I mean, you know, he doesn't say hardly anything about angels and demons, and he acts like that's all passed away. Where did they go? He had, you know, no explanation for that. He just, in the healings, and oh, that was all for the early church, like we don't need it. The church is the church. You know, from the, from the day of Pentecost on, the church is the church, and... 
I got a clue later that I read all the New Testament and found out there's not any letter written to any church that wasn't spirit-filled and spoke in tongues and cast out devils and believed in the gifts. And I thought, man, where have I been? And, and, and so, now, so back to my class in the book of Acts. So I would go home after the professor would teach a chapter a day or whatever it was. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And I'd go home in my privacy and get my Greek New Testament out and start studying what he said. And I thought, well, that isn't right. What was he thinking? And I began to see there was a pattern there about these people got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. And I was getting hungry. You know, you slip around the water, the, around the creek bank, you're liable to slip in. See, I'm hungry. See, this is the thing, I'm hungry. So anyway, back to my encounter with this pastor, me and these other three young ministerial students, we met this pastor, and he said, you ought to get Dennis and Rita Bennett's book. Well, I didn't, I'd never heard of them. And, but in my mind, I'm thinking Episcopalian. Now, what could they teach me, you know? I'm just being honest. You know, some people come here, preconceived ideas. What could Pastor Jacobs teach me? Well, maybe nothing if you're not open, but maybe just perhaps I know something you haven't seen yet that you don't know yet, you haven't experienced yet. We just read we ought to be experiencing and enjoying His presence. I don't know how anybody could be against that unless they don't think right. Somebody just wants to know God without experiencing That's like being married and having no sex. Being married and having no fellowship. Being married and having no intimacy. Who wants a marriage like that? Well, you're quiet on me. It's all right. I can preach right over it. Get a clue. I mean, you know, who would want a relationship with God? And, and, and you know, it's, you read everything out of a book, in the prayer book, and you don't ever have a personal relationship with him. He never speaks to you. You never hear him. You never, see, that's, that's a strange relationship. I know him. He talks to me. I talk to him every day. This is what I'm trying to help you to get more intimate with him. And what this scripture says, experience him and enjoy him. See, you know, the minute you change, switch the gears for me, if you haven't, many of you have, that you don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to give your money. You get to give your money. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You don't have to read your Bible. You get to read your Bible. And when you don't have that attitude, you don't do any of the above very well. You don't do any of it very well. It's, I've got to go to church. It's a duty. It's a burden. It's a bondage. But boy, when you find Jesus in all the midst of that, and it's go, hey, I give you all my life. Didn't we just pray that 15 minutes ago? Preaching pretty good for not getting in my notes. I got some really good notes right here. So I, I'm thinking, because we, and during my Bible school thing there, we didn't have school on Monday because a lot of us younger preachers were out preaching somewhere in the country usually. You know, no big church wanted us or going church because we were just young upstarts. But anyway, you know, praise God, it's just the way humanity thinks. And I don't blame him. You don't put an apprentice carpenter on a $1,000 door. He's liable to cost you $1,000 and not even get the door in there right. So anyway, you know, it was, we, did, we started on Tuesday morning. So these guys, this was Friday afternoon. I said, well, listen, it, they said, you want us to get you one of, the, one of those books? We're going by the bookstore today, two of these guys. Not the smart aleck guy. He never did get it, I don't think. But anyway, I said, yeah, I'll just bring it to school Tuesday. 
Well, an hour and a half later, they're knocking on my door. <laughs> they're hungry for me. To... <laughs> and I said, what are you guys doing here? Well, we were in the neighborhood. I knew where the bookstore was. I'm not in that neighborhood, but I just let it go, you know. <laughs> said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I got that book, and I went back in my back bedroom there at 1017 Baxter Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, in the month of May. Two weeks before I graduated, it's a Friday night. We had company, company coming in about an hour and a half, and so I was going to help Diana, you know, whatever, tidy things up. But I went back there for about 40 minutes and got to read, and I read two or three pages. And I sensed something on the inside of me starting to move. But I thought, well, I don't have time to delve into this right now. I've got company coming, and, you know, still I'm a little unsure. So I went ahead and put the book down and greeted my guests, and we... We had dinner together, if I remember, snacks, I don't know. We started to pray before they left the house. And we caught hands and started to pray. And I, I tell you, something on the inside of me started to come up. But now I'm in front of three people that don't know I'm thinking this and who don't believe in this at that moment. So I'm thinking, I think it'd be better to hold that. So I just went ahead and prayed in English. Had a good prayer. Went to bed. Got up the next morning early, about... 6.30, got back there about 7 after some breakfast and got in there. I don't even know if I had breakfast. I went back in there and started reading. I read about four, five, six, eight pages more and fell on my knees in that little back bedroom. I said, Father, I want whatever you have for me. I don't care, and I said this out, I don't care where it takes me, who it separates me from or whatever because I knew there was a lot of controversy about it. But I said, if I need it, I want it. And about that time, on the inside of me, Kalati came up out of me. These words, Kalati. What does that mean? I don't know, but it was my tongue. It was, it was me speaking it out. Hallelujah. And immediately the devil attacked me about it. Immediately he said, ha, 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 I got you now. You, you, you're not Baptist now. What are you going to do now? And on the inside of me, see, I learned even as a younger man to look to the inside, not out here all the time. The devil don't live in you. I mean, unless you let him, I'm not letting him. I mean, he's out here jumping around telling me, I, you know, be careful, be careful. And on the inside, the Lord said to me, Michael, this is me. Hold on to this. Hold on to this. And I mean the power of God surged through me. And, 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 and I began to speak that out, just, you know, speak it out over and over for a little bit. And then Pastor and I, we were going to go to the Christian bookstore that day. <laughs> i never forget this story. I've told it before, but. We're driving along, and I got this smile on my face. She says, what's that smile about? And she wasn't being mean. She just wondered, what, what's, that? what's up with you? I said, you really want to know? Well, yeah, I want to know. I said, I spoke in tongues. You what? Oh, man, she grabbed this Bible out of the car, slugging up on the dashboard, and you show me in here. I said, well, I don't know everything about it yet. I just know I had it, and, and I know it's real. Now, see, the thing about my wife that I give to her credit, she knew me. She knew me. I was not some fly-by-night, flighty, goofball-thinking person. Even though I had been a drug addict, a drug dealer, I was now convert. I was a new creature for seven years now. I got saved in 71. This was 78. And when I told her, I said, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. She said, I just don't understand that, but she said, you know, I know you, Michael, and I know you're not a weird person. So I know she went through some changes mentally. What am I going to do now? My husband got filled with the Holy Ghost and said he speaks in tongues. Well, 
two weeks later. You know, back in those days, 700 Club was on every day. I think it still is. I don't know if they call it that. With Pat Robertson. And then those days, Ben Kinslow was on there with him. And then Jimmy, Jimmy and Faye Baker, they were on every day on Praise the Lord in the morning. And, and they were, all four of them, they were always talking about being filled with the Spirit. This was the, the early, the late 70s, you know, getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. So within two weeks, she fell in with me. Hallelujah. Now, the reason I'm saying all this is to share with you where I've come from. I came from a background that even back home, they said, now those people that speak in tongues, that's just gibberish. Isn't that amazing? Paul, the one day, if I said, well, do you believe the Apostle Paul was anointed? Oh, my God, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Pastor Jacobs. What's wrong with you? Most intellectual man of his day. He spoke five languages, I think. I read somewhere. Yeah, I've been to seminary, you know. Been to a couple county fairs in the hayride. Don't count for much sometimes, but I went. And if I talked to a Baptist guy, he would give Paul, oh, he's, he's way up there. Well, he said, I thank my God. He didn't thank the devil. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. What are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I know you don't know. You know you would know, but I mean somebody that's not thinking about it. See, See, we get so complicated in our head. See, God said to me on the inside of me, I didn't know all that I know now that I can teach you, but I just knew down here, God said, now don't turn loose of that, this is me. Well, I know his voice. He said, this is me. You know, you think I'd know my wife if I was in Germany and talked to her on the phone? Well, certainly. I might not know your voice if I've never talked to you over the phone. I was in Russia a few years back and called her from Moscow and talked for 40 minutes. It cost me $640 because I was so wound up that first time I went to Siberia. And I knew her voice the minute she said hello. Yeah. Well, I know God's voice too. He said, this is me. It wasn't the devil talking. It wasn't an angel talking. It wasn't a demon talking. It was Jesus telling me, this is me. Hold on to that. Hallelujah. So there I went. I, now I'm spirit-filled. And you know what I got thinking? I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know if I'm going to get to these notes or not. I've got a lot of good ones. Uh, Let's, let's look at something here a minute. Let's, let's go look, look at something here. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Let's look at something. I'm going to share something else with you that the Lord spoke to me this week to talk to you about. You say, well, Pastor, uh, you know, how many times are you going to talk about this? As long as I can until you, everybody gets a clue that this is something you need and this is something you must practice day by day by day. If the great apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, I thank my God I speak in tongues, one translation says to the Corinthians church, more than you all put together, then he must have thought it was pretty important. And people want to argue and say, well, now, Pastor, doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to speak, you know, uh, five words of understanding, then 10,000 in an unknown tongue? Well, I'm talking to you in English. You understand me, don't you? And if I talk to you in tongues right now, I could interpret but I'm here to instruct you. That's what he was talking about. He didn't say, he didn't say so, therefore, don't do it. He's just bringing the correction and instruction to people that are intelligent to understand the difference. When you, speak to, when you speak in tongues, he told us in that same passage, I'm speaking to God, not to men. Unless I had an interpreter, then I could interpret what I'm saying. 
you know, and I speak in tongues and interpret, so I mean, I could do both if I chose to, if God's on me to do that, and he may be before the end of the service, but see, you know, don't take things out of context. I've got a lot to say you probably maybe hadn't thought about, and I don't know if we'll get to it this morning. We might have to wait till tonight. But this, I'm saying to you, apart from my new birth experience, apart from me getting converted and becoming a new creature, I was living in darkness. I was a child of the devil. I, I lived like the devil. I, I, I gave myself over to all kinds of inappropriate behavior and drug addiction and everything that goes with being a drug addict. And all of a sudden, I got saved one day, and immediately I began changing. I don't know if you see the significance in this. I, you know, and everybody doesn't have as a dramatic experience, and I'm not trying to, you know, ding my, ding my bell for that, but some of us, I think, because of the calling on my life, you know, I've heard others teach about it, Dr. Dufresne. Some of us have had more dramatic experiences. But it doesn't have to be dramatic, it just has to be real. But I'm saying to you, and so you can, I'm saying it so you can understand. Can you imagine a man like me who is selling dope and into darkness and everything that goes with that realm? I won't elaborate. And then all of a sudden I get saved, and now I don't want to, all of a sudden I just don't have the same want to's. Now my body was trained a certain way. I'd been a drug addict for three years, so naturally my body is saying, give me drugs. Let's go party. Let's do things that you'd like to do that you did two weeks ago. Remember that? No, no, no. And so for initially, sometimes I found myself back in an environment like that and that I would catch myself in the middle of stuff and, get, and say, I got to leave and jump in my car and start crying and repenting as I drove home. That never happened to me before. I could do just about anything, you know, short of murder and... Never, not have any problem going to sleep at night. Now, I'm telling you, I got saved. And I'm saying to you, next to my salvation, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, this is the second most important thing that ever happened to me. Changed everything. Changed everything about my life, my future. I wouldn't even be standing here today with you. I'd be doing something else. I wouldn't be doing this in this kind of a church because... See, I, I, the day I got spirit-filled, I had a little girl in my church, nine years old. She'd had uh, those tube operations for her ears. I think she'd had three or four of them. You know, where they go in, they put little tubes in there to help your ears drain the liquid that accumulates or the fluid. And, and, and it had not worked, and the fluid had accumulated in the eardrums and was rotting the membranes inside her head. So the doctor said they're going to give her surgery next Friday. The next Friday, they're going to take her in. They're going to cut her head open like this, like that, and they're going to pull that out or peel it back. I don't know whatever they do with it. They're going to go in there and do some major repair work. This is a Saturday morning I got spare-filled. had the argument with my wife briefly. It wasn't really an argument. We were just talking. You know, sometimes couples can have discussions that other people would consider argument. <laughs> <laughs> and got home that afternoon, began to pray in tongues again. Make fun if you want, K-la-ti, K-la-ti, K-la-ti. And God said to me, I want you to take that little girl, I want you to call her parents in a few minutes. 
I want you to ask them to pray for her tomorrow in your service, Sunday morning. I've never done that before. I'd pray for people with cancer, but I'd never, you know, I'd never really accustomed to that. And, and, he, and he said, I want you to lay your hands on her. I'm going to heal her. I called the parents. I said, this is Pastor Michael. Uh, would it be all right? I don't know what her name is. Call her Vivian if I could pray for Vivian tomorrow. Oh, yeah. yeah I, well, I want to bring her forward and read a scripture, and I want to lay my hands on her and believe for her healing because I know she's having the surgery next Friday, correct? Yes, sir. We're taking her in Friday morning. So we, I brought her up. I read a scripture. Now, this happened the very, the, the very day I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I See, I look back, and I see where God was moving me immediately into, listen to me, a healing ministry of sorts. No, I'm not the healer, but God uses people. <laughs> Isn't that right? Lay your hands on the sick, it said. And we minister healing power and different things like that. Does everybody get it? No, but that's not my fault they don't get it. I'm just the one ministering what God's given me to minister. So I talk, well, parents were all grateful for that, but see, they're not thinking healing. They're just thinking, isn't that sweet? Pastor's going to pray for Vivian. Well, I did. I laid hands on her, and I was serious. And I, I said, Father, I pray for a healing of her ears in the name of Jesus. Now, I, I just spirit-filled. That's the second day. So they go ahead and take her to the hospital on Friday, and they examine her, and they say, well, your daughter's normal. We don't need to cut anything, go in there to do it. Everything's, what happened? You know, they called me up and were mad. Yeah, they were, and then they not only did they call me up and said, we're not coming back. Then they called all the other families, the other four or six or eight families I had, a little group of us, and told them I was crazy. Now, you figure out who was crazy. You're going to take your little girl in, let them cut the side of her head off to go in there and do what doctors do. They practice medicine. And here God did a supernatural miracle, and you're mad at the preacher. Now, you know, I, I, I've been in this a long time, and I love people, but I tell you, people are stranger than $3 bills. I, I'm not mad about it, but I'm telling you, you, just, you don't want to play with me about stuff like this. I've seen some weirdness in people. I... It's, there's no way to rationalize that. You talk about insanity, that's it right there. I didn't do anything to do what God told me to do, and God did what he said he'd do, and that's the end of that. And they got mad and left. They never came back. Tried to, tried to tear my whole, turn my whole church against me. What about this verse, experiencing and enjoying, we read in the beginning? I'm in Acts. I know where I'm at. Hello? See, see, something happened in me, and immediately when I went back and read my Bible, I was already reading it. But now when I read it, I saw healing jump out. I saw deliverance jump out. I saw the gifts jump out. I saw the supernatural jump out. And I mean, I'd been reading it, wanting that, but I didn't know how to get into it. And then God led me to read a book by an Episcopalian. I get to heaven, I'm going to hug his neck and give him a big kiss on the cheek. And say, Dennis, thank you. Thank you, man of God, for writing that book. How you helped my life. How you changed me. You know, I'd lost that book over the years, lent it, and Brother Ronnie, bless his heart, bought me a copy off the Internet, and I got it in my, my office, you know, and, and the other one he wrote, 9 o'clock in the morning. He, he got the same thing. You know, he experienced, he experienced uh, the baptism. And, uh, this is an Episcopalian priest. And he experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, got up and told his church about it. You know what they did? 
a guy stood up, an elder in the church, and said, Get those damn tongue talkers out of here. Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm quoting from ignorant people, how they think about what is God and what isn't God. So his denomination decided, we're going to ditch him, put him up in Seattle, Washington, or some little old podunk, not in Seattle, but some little town up in Oregon, out of the way so nobody knows about that. And he exploded and went all over the world from there. You fooling with God, buddy. What's the matter with you people? See? No, I'm not in the habit of cussing. I'm telling you what, I, I just read about him this week in another book about how God used this phenomenal man that was an Episcopalian priest to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then that spread throughout all the denominations, Lutherans, Episcopals, Catholics. And they all began to speak in other tongues, many of them. That we call it the charismatic movement, the charismatic renewal. What a time we live in. What a time we're living in. Yeah, they, they tried to get rid of him. I remember what they did to me. They brought me in the little room. You know, I told that before. These other preachers all had doctorates and, and began to make fun of me and tell me, well, you're just stupid, you're just ignorant. They, they used ignorant, I think, because they're better educated. Uh, but, you know, you're just ignorant. You don't know any better, Michael. And I said, well, well, I got the Baptist faith and message here. Could I read you gentlemen a little paragraph out of it? Well, yeah, certainly. This is what we say we believe. Am I right? Yes, sir. I don't think they called me sir. They didn't act that respectful. But anyway, I found, found page 39 or whatever it was and said, well, right here it says we believe in the Holy Ghost and His gifts. Well, what's the problem? I'm, I'm just saying to you, I, I found it. I found that out. Yeah, the Holy Ghost has gifts, and, and, and He wants to fill us, and He wants to empower us. And they go, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Who do you think you are? We, we have doctorates from Southern, Southern Theological Seminary. Da, 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 da. I, well, I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm just telling you what happened to me. You guys seem uptight. What's the problem? You're the problem, Michael. And now, now looking back, that was in 78. Now looking back over 30 years ago, I've been, I've been all over the world, 75 mission trips. As far away as Siberia and Europe and England, Latin America, Kuwait, Ecuador, Colombia, Lima, Peru, different places in Peru. Hallelujah. And preached this same gospel and, and saw that all over the world where we preach the power of God. I was in uh, Siberia, Russia, and I, get, I had an invitation about drug addicts. I said, of course, there's a lot of drugs in Russia. It's like everywhere, but anyway. It's, uh, no, I think I got a word about hepatitis, wasn't it? Somebody, you nodding at me, Steve, or somebody that was with me. We had 27 people come. Somebody counted them. And, and when I prayed for them, they fell on the floor just like you do, you English people. You southern Indiana, Kentuckiana regional people. Yeah. And, and then I had, I said, if you're a current addict, get up here. Nine people responded. Currently a drug addict. And when I cast the devil out of them, they shook and vibrated and convulsed and fell out too, just like people when I cast the devil out of them in North America. See, 30-some years later, I've proven that God's been with me. That's all I'm saying. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying that the power's in the Holy Ghost. What if I hadn't got him? What if I hadn't received him? I'd still be struggling trying to figure out how to get people healed and get them delivered. No, I'm not 100%. Neither was Jesus. 
There were people he couldn't get healed. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't receive it. They wouldn't take it. They made fun of him. Who are you think you are, you carpenter? You know, that's what they told him. That's Joe's boy. Who's he think he is? Prophet, anointed. What's all that about? Yeah, we're going to fix him. We're going to put him up on a cross. We're going to take care of that. And that's exactly what they did. They, they just hated it. You know, sometimes you take a lot of persecution over wanting to believe God. But you know, there's, there's the powers at. Say, I'm not asleep. You're listening to me. I'm telling you, this all happened just like I'm telling you here. So those guys had me in the room. They had me on the ropes a couple of times. I was doing Muhammad Ali, you know, rope-a-dope, trying to guard myself against the blow. Left that room that night, that day, and walked down. There was a long hallway in that guy's church at the time. He later got in trouble and was out of the ministry. But anyway, you know, I'm walking down this hall, and the devil says, if you would just shut up about tongues and healings, I'll put you in a nice Baptist church, give you a good parsonage, pack it with people. I mean, you know, I can take care of you. That's what the devil told me. Look, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Then I got to my car and I said to the Lord, well, Lord, <laughs> I'm a businessman, you know, too. I said, Lord, what are you going to do? That's what I said to him. I sure enough did. I, I was just that honest to say, well, Lord, what about you? He said, I'll tell you what, you stay with what you know is right, what I've been teaching you here. I'll give you my power. And he said, for now, that's all I'm going to promise you. See, he knew me, and he knew that he needed to just stick with what that was at that moment. And I said, I'll take you any day in your power. So I've done that. Did you find Acts yet? All right, let's look at it here, verse 4. We're going to start here, chapter 1 of Acts, verse 4. And being assembled together with him, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. This is Jesus speaking. For John truly baptized, verse 5, with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, before I read any further, he's referring to the baptism of the Holy Ghost here. When he talks about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost or being filled with the Holy Ghost, it's all the same operation. Are you listening to me? And he's contrasting what John did. He just baptized him in water, you know, for, for confessing their sins. But we get into Christ, we, we, we're baptized into the Spirit in one body, the Bible says, but that's not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what's called the new birth. Hallelujah. John the Baptist couldn't preach the new birth. It wasn't available. He was just preaching, there's one coming. He said that in earlier places. I don't have time now. There's one coming mightier than I, and he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. See, this is what we're talking about, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now, let's read on. And uh, verse uh, 6, and, or verse 7, uh, verse 6, And when they were therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. Notice that. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. Notice that. You're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. See, you know, we need to believe for this. When the Holy Ghost has come upon us, we got power 
But, uh, you know, we need to remind ourselves of that. We have power. I said we have power. And, you know, I'm going back to a statement I made before. Turn to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read over here in just a second, and that'll be it for this morning. But I'm referring back to a a thing that I used to do when people came to me for counseling. And I love people. I want to help people. If you've ever come for me for counseling, I'm a nice guy. No, really, I've tried to listen to you and and let you talk and ask certain questions that would help me locate where you're at and help me to help put you forward and say, well, let's do this or let's stand on that or let's believe this and so forth and so on. Have I not? I know Brother Frank's sitting here today. He just had a a little episode with his heart, but I called Linda and Frank. I went to see them. Then I gave him several verses since then over the phone. We talked several times. And I said, well, let's, here, let's look at this. And, uh, da, 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 da. and so, you know, I'm a nice guy, but here's my point I'm making. For a while back, I haven't done it for a while, and people would come to see me, and I'd say, when, and this spirit-filled church, I said, when's the last time you spoke in tongues for 30 minutes without stopping? And I got a silence. I got a silence on the other end of that question. Now, I'm not saying nobody's not doing that now. I'm just saying a lot of times people were talking to me, And what we found out is a lot of people weren't applying praying in tongues to their daily life much at all, if any. And and they couldn't even denote when the last time they had spoke for 30 minutes without stopping. Now, I understand if somebody's young in the Lord and young, young to this, you know, new to what I'm teaching, you might not, you know, for a few days or whatever, you might not yield to that much, but you need to. This is my point. You need to be yielding constantly when you're in prayer to the Holy Ghost, you need to pray in English, but you need to pray in the Spirit too every day. And you need to isolate some times in your life when you'll give yourself to praying in the Spirit more than you used to. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory. From faith to faith. Well, faith doesn't come by praying, that's true. Yeah, but as you give yourself to praying in the Holy Ghost, your faith in the Holy Ghost and your faith in what He can do through you will become more apparent to you. See, now listen to me carefully here, man. I'm going to read another passage and then I'm going to pray for some people if you need it, but either healing or filling of the Holy Ghost, I'm not sure which way I'm going to go. But, uh, or both. But you, you, you need to be praying in the Holy Ghost because you need to realize you have the greater one living on the inside of you. Now, I don't mean this disrespectfully because I'm talking about me. Well, I just need to go see Pastor Jacobs. I need a counseling session. Well, you might. You could. But a lot of times if you just do what I'm teaching you and you would do what I'm teaching you consistently, then you would be able to rightly decipher or discern whether you really needed to come see me or not. Now, there might be times when you've got a difficult situation or a complicated situation that I could help you sort through. I'm not, I'm not saying don't call me. Don't, don't take the other extreme on this and get in trouble and then just leave me out of the loop until the whole thing has hit the fan and everything's on the wall and you go, hey, pastor, do you think you can help me? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you left me out of the loop for five years. What, do you, what are you thinking? But normally, if you come to this kind of church and you come consistently here, I'm going to, by the help of the Holy Ghost, because I have faith in Him, and He's greater than me, that He's going to answer your questions. And if you're doing what I'm teaching, you won't end up in prison. You won't end up 
you know, uh, dead. You won't end up confused. You won't end up depressed. You won't end up... I mean, there might be some working through this because things have to get straightened out in all of our lives and in different areas, in different arenas. And sometimes that takes T-I-M-E time. But I guarantee you, if you're not applying what I'm teaching and you're not doing what I'm teaching, don't matter how long you sit here and listen, how many notebooks you fill out with my good notes, you still are not making it. This is my point. I want to help you. I'm trying to help you. You're going to have to depend, even though you love me as your pastor, at least some of you do. I'm not sure everybody after this message is, but <laughs> I'm teasing you. But you, you need to get in contact with the greater one that's in you in between times when we're coming together publicly to talk about the Word of God and start experiencing and enjoying His presence yourself. And one of the ways you do that is by speaking and praying and communicating with God in your spiritual language that God is giving you. I'm amazed that people are so... There's a lot of misconceptions about things. You know, somebody quoted to me recently. I was talking to somebody. They're not from our church. And I could tell they don't know what they're talking about because they said, well, what about this over here in 1 Corinthians... I'm in Acts. Just listen to me a minute. In 1 Corinthians 12, do all speak with tongues? I said, that's talking about a ministry of tongues. Of course not. But that's not what I'm teaching at church right now. I'm talking to you right now about your personal prayer language in tongues. Are you really paying attention? Because I'm going to lay something on you if you act like you're going to pay attention. Sit up straight. Come on now. There's praying in tongues for you personally. Then there's tongues and interpretation that could come in a public service. And then there's the ministry of tongues that a ministry gift would carry. Normally the prophets, but I think it could be more diverse than that, perhaps. But certainly that would be a main thing for them where they could minister to a congregation because they have a ministry like that in, of tongues and interpretation and or to an individual. You know, I have some prophecies written down. I carry all my prophecies in my Bible, but a lot of those were tongues and interpretation given to me by Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy as they combined their ministries and he spoke in tongues and she interpreted. That's happened several times to me. Because they have a ministry along that line. He stands in the ministry of the prophets. He stands in, certainly teaching, and a pastoral thing, and maybe some other things too, but I'm not here to judge that. I'm just saying that when it talks in 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about either one or two things. A person who speaks in tongues in a public assembly, and that's to be regulated and controlled, not dominated, but controlled, or you'd have anybody speaking. And the interpretation, my goodness, we certainly need somebody that interprets, like myself or somebody that we've said they interpret, and we give their credential to them. You know what I mean. They are okay with that. Because if you don't, you end up with a lot of strangeness. You've got to know the Holy Ghost to do that. But, how, but, but they either have that, talking about that, to one is given and to others given, and then the ministry tongues. But I'm talking about your personal prayer language. This is what I'm talking about. Don't let that confuse you. Are you listening? And this person said to me, well, what does it say over there about, you know, uh, let him keep silent if there's no interpreter? I said, yeah, but that don't have anything to do with you personally. That has to do with in a public setting. See, but he didn't see that. See, he's, he's in a church or a place where they don't teach it right. 
I'm going, to refer, I'm going to refer you again to, you know, I'm going to read Acts here, but the great apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, he's not talking about publicly. He's talking about in his personal prayer life. See? Rightly divide some things. And if you're listening to me, we're helping you. Now, he, Jesus said right here, he said, we need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost because then we could receive power. And it's called the infilling. It's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's a water baptism. First, there's a baptism where you get put into the body of Christ. The Spirit does that when you become a new creature. Then there's water baptism where you get immersed in water and come up. Then there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost or an infilling of the Holy Ghost. You know, if I, if I took this glass right here, and, that, and that's the Holy Ghost. I got some Holy Ghost in me, but, you know, it's still not full. Well, I, I got a little more word in me now, and I, but I'm still not full. And I got a little more word in me now. I've been under Pastor Jacobs for five years, and, but, you know, we've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, you're going to get filled. It's gonna, it's, when you get filled, this is what happens. It flows over. And then you have to learn to stay full. You know, things happen. You get in strife. You get in bitterness. You get in ugliness. You get in sin. There you are. Now the Holy Ghost probably in there a drop or two, but you've quenched him and he's not doing much. That'll all dry. Don't worry about it. You need to be full. You need to be full. You need to be overflowing. Jesus said, out of your belly... Not out of your head, out of your belly. Not your stomach, your inward man. Out of that inward man would flow rivers of living water. You know, back, back home where I'm from, they're still going to teach the same thing and the same thing unless they got somebody that's radical that's going to believe something. They're just going to live and die in that church, and that's all they're ever going to do. And that's fine with me if that's what they want. But Jesus wants us to have everything he's provided. And that same church I came out of, they had the Lord's Supper every, you know, month or every whatever, you know, but they're not believing for everything. When we take the Lord's Supper, that means I'm going to believe for everything that's been provided. I'm in Acts 2. Let me read it real quick here. Look what happens when you get full. Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled. How many? Oh, just the preachers. No, just the elders. No, just the Sunday school teachers. Yeah, that's it. You're helping me. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They weren't filled with the devil. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice the Spirit's given the utterance, but they're doing the speaking. Here's another misconception. You, somehow the Holy Ghost going to grab you and vibrate you. And make your mouth say things? No, that's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't push anybody into anything. But as you receive from Him, look at chapter 8 with me. I'll show you something else real quick here. I'm about done. Chapter 8, just going to point out something real quick. Look at verse 15. Talking about this group down at uh, Samaria here, I believe. And they'd already been baptized in water and received the preaching of Philip. They were born again. It says in verse 15 of chapter 8 of Acts, who, when they were come down, that is Peter and John, 
they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Notice he was already present. They didn't have to tarry. He prayed, they prayed for them to receive him. You know, somebody says, well, I'll just tarry for him. You don't need to. He's already here. Now, you could tarry in prayer by, go, well, by that means go and wait on the Lord in your prayer time, but not to receive the Holy Ghost because he's already present. See, once he was poured out on the day of Pentecost that we just read, and they were all filled, and they all began to speak in other tongues, that Spirit gave them utterance. From that point on, every time he's mentioned, they were praying for them. And look at verse 17. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. See, your job is to receive him. I don't have to pray for him to come. He's already here, but we're praying for you to receive him. Stand up with me. Man, you've been a good listening people. Brother Junior, come on up here a minute. 